heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Bears. I'm your host, Lauren Cox, from Pro Football Focus and USA Today's BearsWire.com, and I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears talk on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Since the Bears game on Monday, I've now had a chance to go back through the tape here and, and supply some observations some things we're able to learn about Mitchell Trubisky. And of course, that's going to be the topic of today's podcast. We're going to talk about some of Mitchell Trubisky's big throws, the good and the bad, what worked well for him, what didn't work well for him, maybe what the offensive coaching staff didn't do to best help him in this game, what his teammates didn't do to necessarily help him out the most. And of course, we won't focus all on the offense. A few guys on defense definitely deserve some credit in this game couple of guys maybe some head scratchers and trying to figure out what went wrong on a few of the big plays so let's start with the offense here the story of the game is obviously one Mitchell Trubisky and really I think from the start Dowell Loggins you know they always script the first you know 15 or so plays in a game and so I think they had this intention to get their rookie quarterback in rhythm and I respect that and I agree with that you know they started off with a couple handoffs good you want to establish the running game early which they didn't necessarily do but at least you're starting off that way that's a good start and then the first throw one of those very typical Mike Glennon rhythm plays where it's a it's a snap it's a quick throw and Mitchell Trubisky is reading half of the field and basically on this play he had Kendall Wright running about an intermediate out route and then I think it was Deion Sims running what they call uh, like a whip route breaking to the outside where he starts to go inside and then turns around so basically it's two guys breaking to the outside one a little bit farther downfield one right there underneath and Mitchell Trubisky first throw of his Bears career was a money ball to Kendall Wright and it wasn't like this 25 yard gain but it was like you know eight or twelve but it was exactly where it needed to be. He read the coverage perfectly. He threw the ball where it had to be. It wasn't an an easy window, but he completed it. Kendall Wright was fired up. I think the Bears' offense was fired up, and that was supposed to be sort of the, 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 the key turned into the ignition there. But that was quickly followed by what I would describe as a frustrating first drive. Bears drove down a little bit farther, First down, they had threw a pass to Deion Sims. It's a very simple, simple stick concept where a similar idea, you have two guys breaking to the out, you know, on that same right side of the field, except for one's a little bit more into the slot and one is farther out wide, and they're both running at about the same depth to challenge the slot defender over there and the linebacker coming from the middle. And then your outside receiver on that side is simply running a go route to take the top off of the defense. The Vikings, I believe, were in cover three on the play, and he threw to Sims, who was open, and Deion Sims dropped the ball. It was about five yards down the field. wasn't a big first down or anything like that, but a, a dropped pass and an accurate throw from Trubisky. Okay, you can live with that as a young quarterback. So they come back to second and 10, hand it off to Tariq Cohen, zero yards. He does a little bit of dancing in the backfield, 
not a great block by a few different offensive linemen on the play, allowed some penetration, and he barely gets back to the line of scrimmage to keep it now third and 10. Again, not ideal, but you can survive as when you have a quarterback like this, third and long is not unreachable. And it wasn't unreachable. Third and 10, big play down the sideline. It's a, I think it was a corner route to Trey McBride. Perfect ball, beautiful, beautiful pass, exactly where it had to be. McBride comes down with it, flag on the field, offensive pass interference. You can debate whether that was a good call or not. It was not. I mean, I'm not going to completely, I don't want to say there was no basis to it, but especially based on how the Vikings cornerbacks played later in the game, that was not a play there that was called fairly on both sides. If you're going to call that one on McBride, there were definitely some other plays in this game where the Vikings should have been flagged for offensive pass interference and they weren't. I'm not a big fan of blaming the referees or criticizing the referees because it's outside of your control you know, as a coaching staff, as a player. So there's no point in getting worked up about it, blaming it. You just have to overcome it as a team. That was one that was tough to swallow, I think. But that offensive pass interference penalty, valid or not, left the Bears with third and 20. Dowell Loggins calls a screen pass. It goes nowhere. Bears punt. It was, uh, again, the drive started off, great throw from Mitchell Trubisky. Then he hits Deion Sims and he drops it. Then he hits Trey McBride and there's the flag. That, to me, is a frustrating start for Mitchell Trubisky. And, you know, even through the the the, the scripted, predetermined plays, he was, he was starting to ball a little bit. He was, he was firing, and it seemed like from the start, he was ready to go. He was ready to throw some impact plays and show everyone what this team was missing with Mike Lennon under center. That being said, it seemed like it took a while for Dowell Loggins to really kind of take the reins off a little bit. I mean, from my estimation, and I, I didn't track this as closely as maybe I should have, but the first play where I felt like Trubisky really had a full field, full field read where it wasn't fairly predetermined or a quick decision came with about two and a half minutes left in the first quarter. It was a third and 12. And actually on that play, the Vikings sent an overload blitz to the left side. The Bears did not have enough blockers to pick it up. Harrison free, Harrison Smith came free on the rush, and Trubisky had to bail from the pocket almost immediately, ended up throwing it behind Zach Miller short of the sticks anyway. But that seemed like the first play where had that had pass protection, he would have been able to, or he was asked to read the whole field, determine which side of the ball to throw, which side of the field to throw to, find the open receiver based on that. Whereas leading up to that point, I think it was largely predetermined quick throws to try and get your quarterback into a rhythm. And it kind of felt like from that point, the playbook was kind of opened up. And I think that was about where the script ended in terms of what Dowell Loggins prepared for ahead of time because you started to see a little bit more freedom from Trubisky from that point. But that being said, that freedom didn't necessarily result in a more unpredictable or interesting or dynamic offense. I mean, there were a lot of throws, and I I think it was pointed out after the game by, you know, the NFL next-gen stats, and I think PFF had some stuff on it too. A lot of his throws were to the right side of the field, outside the numbers, in the flat, in the intermediate, all in that same area, over and over again. Some of that was a result of the rollouts, which I'll touch on a little bit. 
in a, in a little while, but some of it was just sort of his choice. He kept going to that same spot, and I think the Vikings started to pick up on it about the second quarter, flowing over that direction a little bit more, kind of knowing that the quarterback was favoring that side, and he continued to favor it all game, and the Vikings didn't necessarily stop it, but there was a little bit of a level of predictability there that, again, he's a rookie quarterback, so I'm not going to get worked up about it or concerned about it, but just something to keep an eye on moving forward. I do think, you know, as much as the playbook started to open up a little bit by the end of the first quarter, there was still too much of the the one-read throws well into the second quarter. Like there were, you know, he'd mix in some of the bigger ones and it started to feel a little bit more open, but then they'd come right back to these quick throws. And I understand doing that early in the game because you want to get your quarterback some completions, you want to get some some easy throws, get his receivers on the same page, get some momentum for the offense. Okay. But by, you know, mid-second quarter, Mitchell Trubisky's warmed up. I mean, he showed you on the first drive. He delivered some money throws, big plays down the field, hitting guys underneath when he needs to, whether they hold on to it or commit penalties, not really within his control. So at that point, Dowell Logan should be able to say, okay, my, my rookie quarterback is ready. He was balling to start. He was really slinging the rock well. Let's open it up a little bit and instead they kind of limited him through that first half with those quick throws these predetermined throws short of the sticks and that works sometimes but when you have a quarterback that can do more you have to let that quarterback do more let him loose and get this offense a little bit more dynamic and a similar similar vein here a lot of the early of this game was incredibly too pass happy. I mean, not only were they all these these one read quick throws, but where was, was the running game? I mean, I look the first quarter they got it going a little bit, but you get to the second quarter and up to the two minute drill, the Bears had ran twelve plays in offense. Well, they called the twelve plays. They had three or four penalties in there along the way, but twelve plays on offense, three of them were runs. I feel like the second quarter, early second quarter is when you really establish your running game. You know, you have to get it going in the first quarter and introduce it as a threat. But in, but to really establish the running game, to say, we are going to run the ball at you and we are daring you to stop it, you know, show us that you can be physical against Jordan Howard and then open things up. Based on that, you have to stick with it through the second quarter, make it a pivotal part of your offense in the first half. And that just wasn't the case in this game. And too often in Dowell Loggins' tenure as offensive coordinator, that's not the case. Dowell Loggins establishes the run in the third and fourth quarter. And that's when you see the Bears come back in these games and keep it close to the end. But if you had established that in the first half instead of stringing together four, five, six straight passes, get the running game going. Get the Vikings defense to feel that pressure, to have to step up, to try and have to be physical, and to limit their pass rushers from just having a free run to turn the corner against Charles Leno and Bobby Massey. And not that the Bears were, you know, lighting the Vikings ground game up for five, six, seven yards a carry, but you have to take sort of the the two and three yard gains in the first half to open up the four, five, sixes in the second half. And the Bears just couldn't do that consistently. They had a lot of runs in this game that were two or fewer yards. A lot of plays where Jordan Howard was met in the backfield, and then Loggins kind of just abandoned the run on that drive. They, they run on the first play of drives so often, 
and then they pass the next two or three and maybe get another run in on the drive if they pick up a first down. But it's it's frustrating and a little bit predictable, I think, from this offensive coordinator, the way that they don't establish early in the game the running game from Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, even if they're not playing well. You have to stick through it. You have to give your offensive line confidence and say, you know, don't don't miss a few runs and say, well, these guys can't do it and not come back to it till the second half. You have to stick with it, you know, take the lumps in the running game and the physicality of your running game, your offensive line, your bruising running back, that's going to overpower eventually. Make the Vikings commit to stopping the run and then take advantage of that with the pass. The Bears didn't make them commit to stopping the run in the first half, and that was that was not not good enough in this team. I mean, you know, you had in the second quarter that that long touchdown run from Jordan Howard that was nullified by the penalty. Keep running. It worked. It worked for a touchdown. If it, you know what, and then after that penalty, it's like it stops. Well, you know, we can't. You know what? You got to keep. You got to stick with it. And they abandon it there, and then they get to the two-minute drill. And okay, under two minutes pass you got to pass in that situation I'm not going to get upset about not running the ball there they get third and 10 with 47 seconds left in the game after earlier Mitchell Trubisky has converted third and longs in the game third and 10 they're in their own territory sure 47 seconds left in the, in the half and they hand it off it's a power read option on third and 10 with 47 seconds you had timeouts and you give up on that drive again that's what you do with Mike Glennon under center that's not what I would like to see with Mitchell Trubisky under center. You need better than that from your offensive coordinator. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while Geico could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, Geico has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Then you get to the third quarter and the second half, and I think we started to see Mitch Trubisky press a little bit and try and do too much. He seemed to admit as much in the post-game press conference. I played some of the clips of that for you yesterday on Lockdown Bears if you haven't heard it. Go back and take a listen to it. Listen to Mitchell Trubisky and John Fox talk after the game as we kind of recap the initial reaction to what happened and what it kind of meant for the future of the franchise moving forward. But you get to this third this third quarter, and Trubisky starts to be pressing a little bit. But like about five and a half left in the quarter, they run a screen pass where they fake a screen to the right to Tariq Cohen, and then the the, the screens coming to the left side, I think, to Benny Cunningham. And the the screen doesn't open up right away. And the pass rushers get to Trubisky. They start pulling on him. And Trubisky tries to throw it while he's being dragged down by the, the defender. And the pass hits Anthony Barr, the Vikings linebacker, in the hands. If he holds on to that interception, that's a pick six. Charles Leno was the only person near him to try and make a tackle to prevent that pick six. And I will take the athletic young linebacker versus the... You know, the athletic left tackle, but the left tackle's got a good 50 pounds on him. That's a foot race that's going to be a pick six. Trubisky has to take the sack there or throw it 15 yards into the stands, but he can't try and just flick it to his running back, risking a pick six there. That would have been demoralizing and really changed the momentum of the game. He got away with it there. No harm, no foul, but there's something to something to look for from him moving forward. Take the sack. Don't risk 
the horrible play. Again, for a screen. You know, that screen wasn't necessarily going to go anywhere. You got to sort of know the situation. Similar thing in Mitchell Trubisky's touchdown to Zach Miller. This was a play that should have been a pick. Trubisky was like scrambling out of the pocket, and he's like looking downfield, and you can see him use his left hand to signal Zach Miller, hey, turn around and go left. Well, the Vikings' safety, I believe it was Andrew Sandejo, he watched Mitchell Trubisky signal Zach Miller to go left, so he went left too. And the safety completely undercut the route. He jumped it. He knew exactly where to go, but he misplayed it just a little bit. And he got a hand on it to tip it. And that tipped it into the hands of Zach Miller for a touchdown. Goes on the stat sheet as six points for Mitchell Trubisky. But if that safety properly plays the ball and doesn't undercut it too far and just goes up and gets it, that's an interception. That's another turnover and not a touchdown, a a seven-point swing there in the game that, again, changes the entire momentum of the game and maybe how Mr. Trubisky's performance was viewed. But it was a lot like Adrian Amos where it, later in the game when he had an interception, it's like, you just got to pick that ball off. Vikings fans are watching that touchdown and saying, you just got to pick that ball off. He undercut the route perfectly. The safety did everything he was supposed to do, but just came a little bit too far away from Zach Miller. Maybe misjudged exactly where the ball was going to go. Got a hand on it, but if you pick that ball off, it's not even nearly as much of a nail a nail biter into the late fourth quarter, but instead it's touchdown Trubisky. But a throw is he going to get away with that every time? No. So he's got to make sure he knows what he's doing when he's adjusting plays on the fly. Throw a better ball, throw a safer ball. He did have other options on the play. He wanted the big play, and he was lucky it was a touchdown instead of a turnover. But that play was resemblant of a theme in this game that Zach Miller is clearly Mitchell Trubisky's go-to target right now, the receiver on the field that he trusts the most. Every time there was a scramble drill in this game, and those are the plays where you know, the play breaks down, Trubisky extends it with his feet, and the routes that the, the receivers initially ran kind of go out the window, and it's the backyard football. There were four of these plays where Trubisky t- held the ball for more than four seconds before throwing it. Four of those plays. All four of those throws went to Zach Miller. You know, that was the guy he trusted to get open, the guy he could direct to get open, and the guy he was most comfortable throwing the ball to. And one of them was a touchdown that should have been intercepted, a couple of other inaccurate throws, and then the last play of the game, that interception, similar situation. Uh, uh, trying to redirect Zach Miller. Plays extended. It's longer than four seconds. It's backyard football. The safety knows that he's getting redirected too. Undercuts the route, and this time, Trubisky paid for it. And that's how, kind of how it goes. You know, He's only going to give so many opportunities to the Vikings defense without them taking advantage. And that was kind of the one that put the nail in the coffin. Now, that being said, I don't want this to sound like, well, here's all the bad things Mitchell Trubisky did in this game. I talked right away. Money throws early in this game, past the sticks, where they needed to be, to the outside, the numbers, difficult throws, big time throws that you want to see from your rookie quarterback. He also did a good job of reeling in some bad shotgun snaps from Cody Whitehair continues to be a problem and I think this offensive line is a still a very real problem even with a a mobile quarterback under center there's just too many of these little dumb simple easy mistakes from the offensive line and to me that is 100 not 100 percent that is mostly coaching we didn't see these same errors in previous seasons the Bears have a new offensive line coach this year and I'm, I'm willing to say that he's doing a bad job. 
I mean, this is a talented offensive line. You have a Pro Bowl caliber left guard in Josh Sitton, uh, an athletic other guard in Kyle Long, a center who was a Pro Bowl caliber center last year was playing some of the worst football of his life, and a couple of offensive tackles that are at least getting the job done. And they're not playing like up to their talent. Like the Minnesota Vikings do not have as much offensive line talent as the Chicago Bears do. And their offensive line was so much more technically sound. They played smarter. They were on the same page more and largely outplayed the Bears offensive line despite, you know, they're starting a third round rookie at right guard or center, Joe or Pat Elfline from Ohio State. They, yeah, I think he's at center. Joe Berger, their center from last year, is at right guard. They got two new starting offensive tackles. They played like more like a five-man unit than the Bears' offensive line did. It was sloppy offensive line play from the Bears that have more talent than that. And to me, that goes on the offensive line coach. There were a few times in this game, too, where I did feel like Mitchell Trubisky left the pocket too easily. You know, like there wasn't pressure there, but he thought there was pressure there and he got out of there. And I can live with that. You know what I mean? I would much rather this guy leave the pocket too early than leave the pocket too late or stay in the pocket like Mike Lennon. You know, I, I want my rookie quarterback to avoid taking hits. So I'm okay with him leaving the pocket when he doesn't need to. That left some plays on the field for him, which isn't something you necessarily want to see. You know, there were some receivers open that he couldn't find because if he had stayed in the pocket another half full second, maybe when he had time to, he would have seen Marcus Wheaton, who would beat his man going down the left sideline, or he would have seen Zach Miller running the post route in between the safeties open over the middle. But he, you know, he left the pocket. He felt some kind of inclination of pressure, even if it wasn't there. I can live with that. That's what happened on the interception play too. I can live with that. He can, you know, avoid the hit, Mitch. That's fine. You'll get better at that as you go on. I'm fine with that. One of the oddities, I think, of this game, though, that stood out for me from Mitchell Trubisky's performance. You look at his completions, 12 of them. All 12 were against zone coverage. When the Vikings played man, he was 0 for 8. A couple of those were drops. So I'll, I'll, I'll you know, he wasn't totally inaccurate against man coverage, but clearly the Vikings got physical with the Bears wide receivers. They struggled to separate. Mitchell Trubisky struggled to hit those tight windows, and that's something I want to see moving forward. Credit to the Minnesota Vikings cornerbacks for being good. I mean, they're a talented cornerback group, so that 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 definitely plays a role into it, but clearly Trubisky was more comfortable finding holes in zone. Again, all 12 of his, all 12 of his completions against zone. The Vikings played a lot of cover three in this game. I think seven or eight of Trubisky's completions were against cover three. That was the coverage you saw the most. Maybe I, I didn't look at, I didn't run the numbers, but 50, 60% of the coverages were cover three. Maybe that's a little bit high, maybe 45, 50. I mean, again, I didn't look at numbers, but a lot of cover three in this game. And so he hit seven of his 12 completions against them. And he at least is able to read the coverage and find the open spots in the zone. Want to see how he handles man coverage, how his receivers handle man coverage moving forward. I also want to see Tariq Cohen just get off field. I mean, that was one of the frustrating things in this game, I think, for me too, is he got the ball in a number of situations and did too much dancing, too much trying to make a big play. He's so inclined to try and get around the edge. I brought this up, I think it was in the preseason or maybe it was after week one. He's always trying to bounce runs to the outside. And he needs to learn to just take what the defense gives him. Don't try and make three guys miss to pick up 25 yards. 
get upfield, get the four that your offense needs instead of trying to make a guy miss, getting dragged and brought down for a zero-yard gain. That's not what your offense needs. Your offense needs you to take the yards, and maybe maybe you'll make a guy miss in the process, but don't always go for the big play. You can go for the big play on the punt returns. Okay, those are those are sort of you know a, a firecracker play. But when you're taking that handoff and your offense needs yards on first and 10, on second and eight, just get the yards. That's something that the rookie running back has to get better at, and he will. You know, he, he's got time. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, just something that he needs to work on here. The Vikings actually paid pretty close attention to Cohen in this game. When he lined up at wide receiver, you could tell their coverage paid extra attention to him. Like when they would be in cover one, where you got man coverage on all the outside or on all the receivers, and then uh, one, one player, linebacker, safety in zone over the middle of the field, and one safety in deep zone in the middle of the field, that underneath zone defender would double team Cody Terry Cohen. He or at least he'd he'd turn and look at Cohen and say, "Okay, where's this guy going first? Then move on to everybody else." The Vikings were well aware that the Bears like to get the ball to him when he lines up at wide receiver, and they did a good job of limiting that. Part of it too was that the Dowell Loggins didn't necessarily use his running backs and tight ends as much downfield, especially early on. The game plan was clearly to have a lot of extra blockers in around Mitchell Trubisky to not let the pressure get to him early in the game. There was a lot of play action to start, and when he'd run play action, that running back would stay in the pass block. He left tight ends in the block, in the chip, maybe a delayed route, anything to keep extra blockers in the in the play. Even, you know, not even the full field read plays, but, you know, three guys are running routes because two guys are staying in the block on top of the offensive line, protecting that quarterback early on. And you know, even in their lack of running ability in this game, the play action was still fairly successful. Uh, the defense bid on it uh, a number of times when they maybe necessarily shouldn't have based on what the Bears were showing pre-snap. There are certain things you can tell when a team's going to run and when they're not, and the Bears, they kind of gave it away uh, with a little bit of motion, a little bit of player alignments, and the Vikings still bid on it. They respected Jordan Howard and, and wanted to challenge Trubisky to beat the Vikings cornerbacks one-on-one. He did sometimes in zone, not so much in man coverage. There was some some mixed action there. But it sort of pointed to a, a predictability issue for this offense. There were too many times when, you know, the Bears bring tight ends on the field. The, the two or three, when there's extra tight ends in the game, they ran the majority of the time. And when the Bears brought extra tight ends in the field, the Vikings loaded the box, and it was easier for them to stop the run. I mean, perfect example right here. Adam Shaheen had 11 snaps in this game. Nine of those snaps were running plays, where he was a run blocker. He, he ran one route in the game and was in pass protection on one other play. So that, you know, that's a signal right away to the defense. Oh, this, this third tight end's in here, or this, this big white rookie tight end from Division Two is in the game. They're probably running the ball, and you can flow to that. You can work on that, and they ran play action with him once, and it didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? It's like it's just it's too predictable there, and that that can work for you if your offensive line is dominating. If you can say, you know what, we're gonna put tight ends on the field, we're gonna hand the ball off. We know you you know that we're gonna hand the ball off, but you're not gonna stop us because we're that confident in our group. We have a physical runner, we have a talented offensive line, and we have tight ends that wanna hit somebody. So let's just smash it up the middle. The Bears don't have that. So you can't 
you can't be you can't show your hand to the defense and try and you know force them to stop you the Vikings stopped them and so it, it, when that's the case you can't then let the defense set the tone there you have to spread it out throw different looks at them the Bears it's, it all comes back to shotgun sometimes I mean Mitchell Trubisky you know they handed it off twice in the shotgun in the whole game one and they were both read option plays one of them Trubisky kept one of them he handed off and one of them was that third down with 47 seconds left in the first half I mean the Viking you can Vikings can tell that if they're under center more likely to more likely to run the ball they're in shotgun they're probably not going to run the ball and so play action in the shotgun not as effective as under center those rollouts four of them came under center Trubisky dropped back to pass five times from under center in this game four of them were rollouts and he only had two other rollouts in the whole game so you know the 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 Vikings can see that when he's under center he's not going to do a straight drop back to pass he's either going to roll out on the play action or he's going to hand it off it's just it's easy to sit here and watch and look and say okay here's what the Bears are going to do and so Mike Zimmer can see that every coach watching the tape can see that and it's just uh, another questionable game plan and play calling from this offensive coordinator that again signals to me that he's not the right guy to develop Mitchell Trubisky in 2018 and beyond. I mean, the the kids still left some plays on the field. He left some throws on the field, but he knew it too. There were a couple of throws where you see him throw it and he immediately like, you know, swings his arm or jumps up or cringes a little bit because he knew he let that one go. And so there's a difference here from Mike Glennon to Mitchell Trubisky. When Mike Glennon left throws on the field, you knew it wasn't going to get better. When when Mitchell Trubisky overthrows Zach Miller or he throws that interception to Harrison Smith, you know he's going to learn from that. He's going to internalize that. He takes the blame for it, first of all. He's going to watch that on tape. He's going to kick himself for it, and he's going to make sure he doesn't do it again. And that's, I think, the most exciting part about Mitchell Trubisky, not just his talent, but the way he carries himself, the way he acts about football, the way he loves this sport, and the way he seems to be dedicating himself to be a better quarterback. That's what's most exciting to me about this rookie quarterback, and that's what's most exciting about what we got to see in this Vikings game. It's how he's going to respond. That's going to keep me definitely tuned in to this offense. And now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. Hardship. My grandmother would go through it every month to pay her insurance bill. First, she would handwrite a paper check in cursive. Then, using her own tongue, she would wet a stamp for an envelope. Today, however, we need not weary our hands and tongues. Today, we can pay our GEICO bill with the GEICO app. Away with hardship, in with bill pay on the GEICO app. Thank you. I think Akeem Hicks is what's going to keep me tuned into this defense. I mean, he was a monster in this game. Absolutely disruptive in the running game. Got some pressure in the, in the as a pass rusher. The Vikings, especially in the first half, had no answers for him. And, you know, as, as a mobile quarterback came in with Case Keenum in the second half, they were able to neutralize him a little bit more. But, man, particularly against the run, he was unstoppable. Best player on the field in this game, I think, on either side of the ball. But Mitch Unrein, too. Uh, I feel like I keep talking about him every week. He just makes plays against the run. And I wonder if the difference this year has been the fact that they're playing him more closer to the center on the interior. You know, he's much less of a five-technique defensive end. That's sort of the traditional base 3-4 defensive end. He's playing more 
inside of the tackle. The five technique is lined up on the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. The three technique is on the outside shoulder of the guard. And so the four technique and what people usually run is the four eye, which is a slight inside shade on the offensive tackle. That's what we're starting to see more of from from Mitch Unrein. And then in nickel situations, he plays even closer inside, sometimes the nose tackle, sometimes a two eye, sometimes a three technique, but he's playing closer to the center. And he's not going up against as mobile of offensive tackles. He's going up against more guards and centers. And I think that's helping him have such a strong year against the run. You know, he's never going to be a great pass rusher, but you don't need him to be, especially when he can step up, penetrate in the backfield, and redirect running backs into the arms of Akeem Hicks, the outside linebackers, the inside linebackers, Mitch Unrein, unsung hero of this defense right now. I'm not ready, though, to crown Leonard Floyd just yet for his performance in this game. And I'm not going to say that he had a bad game at all. I'm not trying to take a lot of this away from him. I mean, yes, he had a safety in this game. He had another sack on a stunt. And those are very valuable plays that were critical for the momentum of this defense. But that safety is what we call a cleanup sack, where Sam Bradford held onto the ball way too long. The right tackle that Leonard Floyd pass rushed against did his job 100%, would not downgrade the right tackle for his blocking on that play whatsoever, and yet it results in a safety for Floyd. That's a very valuable play. It's good to have. But that wasn't a play where Leonard Floyd used a pass rush move to beat a blocker and disrupt a play. Sam Bradford allowed the play to be disrupted. Leonard Floyd took advantage. Same thing on the stunt. Essentially goes unblocked as he, you know, I think it was Akeem Hicks ran to the outside. Leonard Floyd looped around the inside between the guard and the center, got touched a little bit, and ran and chased down Sam Bradford. And that's a valuable sack. The stat counts for a lot, and it helps this team. It's very important for the team defense, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But the point here is that just because Leonard Floyd had two sacks in this game doesn't mean he's quote-unquote fixed. doesn't mean, oh, this is it, he's back. No. This is the same Leonard Floyd that we saw as a rookie. So maybe he's back to that. But it's not that next step. He isn't, this isn't growth yet. This is the same level we saw last year. He, he was playing below that, I think, earlier in the season. Now he has regressed back to the mean. He's gotten back to baseline Leonard Floyd. And that's great. That's a valuable player to this defense. But all this talk about a 15-sack guy taking him to the next level, turning the next step in his game, hasn't happened yet. That's going to take time. And that's totally understandable. This is not a criticism of Floyd or saying anything negative about what his career is going to be. Just trying to be realistic about what he did in this game. He was the same old Floyd. And that same old Floyd is very good. But he wasn't next level Floyd yet. That's still coming and at least he's taking a step in the right direction. I actually thought in this game, he played better against the run than he was as a pass rusher. Really set some nice edges against some tight ends, redirecting running backs. Didn't make, you know, big tackles for a loss in the backfield, but kind of did some more dirty work in this game against the run. That he deserves a lot of credit for. Less so for his pass rushing and more his ability to take advantage of what the Vikings gave him, again, on a stunt and a cleanup safety. Critical, critical plays, but not insanely impressive individual efforts from Floyd. That's the difference. Important play to the defense, not as impressive individually from Floyd. That's sort of the distinction I'm trying to make here. 
a couple of other big plays from this defense or big plays involving this defense that I want to touch on here before we start to wrap up. There was a the, the Vikings touchdown in the third quarter, the passing touchdown to Kyle Rudolph from Case Keenum. That play, it's it's one of those scramble drills I talked about with Mitchell Trubisky. Case Keenum fled the pocket maybe a little bit early like Mitch Trubisky. There wasn't exactly pressure on him, and he's redirecting traffic downfield. And whereas the Viking safety against Zach Miller, he read what Zach Miller was going to do. He watched Mitch Trubisky redirect and got a hand on it and didn't prevent the touchdown. This was Kyle Fuller versus Kyle Rudolph, and Kyle Rudolph kindly shoves Kyle Fuller about five yards off of him in the end zone, throws him aside and has all this separation for an easy touchdown, basically could just stand there and jump up. And that created huge separation, absolutely should have been flagged, especially after Trey McBride was flagged in the first quarter. You got to call it both ways. I don't, I don't hate that they called that flag on Trey McBride. I don't hate that they didn't call that flag on Kyle Rudolph, but I hate that they didn't do both. You got to call it both ways. Didn't feel like that was properly called both ways. And really, I, I felt like Kyle Fuller got screwed a lot in this game because the Vikings wide receivers were extremely physical with him. A lot of hand and arm content, contact, excuse me, threw him around a little bit and I felt bad for him. You know what I mean? He was put in these situations, couldn't get a flag to save his life. Bryce Callahan got thrown aside by Adam Thielen at one point over the middle of the field too. You got to call it both ways, I think, there. Again, I'm not big on blaming referees. I want fairly penalized teams. And if it had been the other way around, I'd be saying the same thing. But the Bears don't have physical receivers who can do it too, which is why the, the call on Trey McBride is even more baffling. You know, if the Bears had an Alshon Jeffrey, not suggesting that they necessarily should or could have, but just saying if they had someone of that body type, even a Cam Meredith, Maybe he could have gotten away with some physicality on some cornerbacks. Trey McBride couldn't get away with it, but uh, that was a little bit, again, questioning some referee decisions, but that wasn't the difference in the game. On the Vikings' touchdown run in that third quarter where Jerick McMinnon, Jerick McKinnon took off for, what, 58 or so yards, Christian Jones at linebacker on that play had no interest whatsoever in trying to get around a block by wide receiver Adam Thielen to try and stop the running back. And if I am his linebackers coach, who I believe is Vic Fangio, I think he, no, he's the outside linebackers coach. I am totally spacing on the Bears inside linebackers coach off the top of my head. But if I was that inside linebackers coach whose name escapes me, I am absolutely chewing out Christian Jones in the film room. His effort on that play and actually a couple others in that fourth quarter were really inexcusable. And the inside linebackers coach is Glenn Pyers, who's been with the team since 2015. If I am Glenn Pyers, Christian Jones is getting a mouthful and he's lucky that the Bears are so thin an inside linebacker that they didn't really have a lot of choice to bench him after John Timu was taken out of the game. Really disappointing from from Christian Jones, a guy that I've been a big fan of here, has been playing well needs better effort from him in the a critical fourth quarter in the regular season here with a quarterback that should have you motivated to play defense. I would be a little bit more understanding if you're down 30 because Mike Lennon has three turnovers and Christian Jones doesn't want to make a play. It's not excusable, but, you know, okay. Maybe be a better man than that, but I don't blame you too much. But this is a close game with a young quarterback who's keeping you in it. Christian Jones, where's the motivation? Same thing on that play, though. 
Adrian Amos took a pretty bad angle. He kind of started out near the line of scrimmage, lost track of the ball, and didn't keep up with it very well. Eddie Jackson maybe went a little bit too far outside, but he was trying to keep contain. Kyle Fuller kind of had some contain there too, so a little bit of a miscommunication there. But largely, Jarek McKinnon just kind of outran Prince of Mukamara and Kyle Fuller to the end zone just a little bit too fast. And actually, he was untouched on the play. I mean, that's that's kind of embarrassing for Bears defense. Let a guy go 58 yards untouched. He's fast. I get it. But uh, Jones has to fight harder. Amos has to be a little bit smarter. And these guys have to finish the play in the secondary. Eddie Jackson, though, did finish some plays in the secondary. In the fourth quarter, he made a, a pass breakup against Zach Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph, excuse me. That was just a phenomenal play. It was one-on-one coverage. He was out of the... It was in line, but he was sort of the slot safety, strong safety sort of in the area. Stepped up, chased him down, undercut the route, just barely dove, stuck his hands up, tipped with a pass, broke it up. Really, really fun to watch. A little bit later in the quarter, darted through the offensive line on an outside zone run. He was getting to the outside, brought down Jarek McKinnon for a great run stop. A couple of phenomenal plays from him. Uh, They're just really fun flashes to watch. He's starting to come together nicely. Really excited to see Eddie Jackson continue to make plays. I'm going to tweet out a couple of those plays because they were just really fun to watch. Make sure you are following me on Twitter at Cox Sports one to go see them. I think I'll probably end up putting out a couple other plays too, the All-22 there. So make sure you are following me. Make sure you are following this show on Twitter at LockedOnBears. We also have a website now, the www.LockedOnBears.com. But more importantly... Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or TuneIn, whatever podcast listening service you use. If you have one of those smart home speakers like uh, Alexa or the you know the Google, Amazon home speakers, you can ask that speaker to play Lockdown Bears, and it will find it because it's, it's either TuneIn or Stitcher. One of them, your smart speaker can play Lockdown Bears. You just have to ask it, and it will deliver. Technology is wonderful, isn't it? But speaking of this iTunes, if you go on iTunes, leave Locked On Bears a nice little review on there, and leave your Twitter handle in that review, you will automatically be entered for a chance to win a free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. It is a $40 value that includes all of their player grades, their fantasy football tools and charts, some of their NFL draft content. It, it's just tons of good stuff, uh, a $40 value and you get it for free simply for leaving a review for Locked On Bears. It's easy enough. It's a good value. It's a giveaway. And we use that Twitter handle to notify our winners at the end of each week. So get your free entry in there for a free PFF Edge subscription. Speaking of pro football focus, later this week on Locked On Bears, we will be previewing the Bears game against the against the Baltimore Ravens. And I will be joined later this week by Pro Football Focus's Gordon McGinnis. I think you will enjoy his Scottish accent, but he knows a lot about the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be fun talking to him. Make sure you subscribe and you don't want to miss that episode. Keep it here with Locked On Bears, your only daily Chicago Bears podcast. I really find it is the best way to help anyone bear down. <laughs>